So last week, we talked about the gospel, right? We talked about what the gospel really is, like the, the, the bare bones base of the gospel, right? That, and, and we walked through the Romans road, which is my personal preference of how to try to explain to people what the gospel is, is through these verses in Romans. But we looked at the fact that, that all people... Whether you're a generally good person, a moral person, or if you're just a horrible person, but every single person has sinned, right? And sin is just anything that is short of what God desires for his people, his creation, right? So we have all sinned, and because we have sinned, we deserve death and separation from God, right? That's the bad news. But then the good news, that's what the gospel means. The word gospel means good news. The good news is that we have hope of life through Jesus dying a death for us on the cross. It's why the Christian symbol is a cross. I think everyone in here probably knows Jesus died on a cross. But it's understanding the why he died on the cross. That he died on the cross as the punishment for us, right? That we deserve deserve death. Jesus didn't deserve death because he was perfect. And he died for us so that we could have eternal life with God. And that our role in this is to, as Romans 10, 9 says, confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And so we talked about that last week about what the gospel was and, and what it means for us as humanity, that we need that to have a relationship with God because without the gospel, we are incapable of having a relationship with God. And so today we're going to pick up the backside of that, right? So like we, it's kind of like this, okay, you understand what the gospel is. You've gone through the process of accepting the gospel, accepting the forgiveness of God and what the gospel does in your life. What's next? <clears throat> and we talked a little bit last week about how many Christians lose sight of the fact that the gospel is not something that they just need on the day they get saved but it's something that they need for the duration of their life because we all know that just because someone becomes a Christian doesn't mean they stop sinning. And so we are constantly in need of the gospel because we constantly sin. But so not only do we first need to remain focused on the fact that we are in constant need of the gospel, but second, we have what is called the Great Commission, That we are told by Jesus himself to go into the nations proclaiming the gospel, the good news. To share the gospel with people who do not know who Jesus is and have not accepted his death on the cross over their life. So I could talk to you guys a lot about um, like this idea of sharing the gospel, like sharing your faith. But I feel like that kind of gets repetitive and gets like you guys have all probably at some point or another heard about how you need to share your faith with other people. And so what I'm going to talk about today is a different word that I think is a little more churchy, but I think it actually gives a better representation of what it means to share the good news of the gospel with other people. And it's called witnessing. So we've all probably heard someone say, you know, I need to go witness to this person. And that sounds kind of weird because of what we normally think of a witness is like an eyewitness, right? Like you go to uh, a car wreck that, again, this is me coming from a country 
town, right? You go to the you go to the eyewitness who saw the wreck at the intersection, and like some guy comes out with overalls on with no shirt under it, and he's only got one of the things clipped, and this one's like hanging down here, you know? And he's like, "Yeah, I saw the dude, thing, and he went right there, boom, there, boom, like." Like, that's what we think of, like, an, a witness is someone who, I like, was an eyewitness, someone who saw something happen, and they are the person who tells the story of what happened because they witnessed it. And so it's interesting when we think about how this idea of being a witness translates into our lives as Christian and our role to proclaim the gospel and share the gospel with other people. So when we talk about this idea of witness, when we talk about what it means to witness to people, we can understand that it means that we're looking at what God has done in our life, what God has done for us, that he's died on the cross for us, we've experienced salvation, and we are going around telling people the story or the account of what has happened to us. Just like an eyewitness would tell the story or the account of what they saw. Christians witnessing is telling what Jesus has done for us. So how many of you guys will, I'm going to try something a little bit different tonight. For those of you guys who have been here a lot, you know, I normally get up here and just kind of talk. Today, we're going to be a little more interactive. And anytime I do that, you guys like clam up and get quiet. So we're going to have to share today. Okay. But I want you guys to think of some good movies or good books that you've experienced. I can't say read. You don't read movies, but watched or read recently. Hercules, Hercules. Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai, okay. I read Big Nate. Big Nate, okay. What is that about? I'm curious now. Okay. I thought it was like, it's not good. He said he liked it. Don't be mean to him. I thought it was going to be like about NF's like autobiography or something like Big Nate. All right. Lord of the Rings, you recently read that? Watched it. <laughs> okay, watched it. What is it? Okay. The Karate Kid? That kind of like Cobra Kai, right? Harry Potter? Okay. So I want you to think about these things. Uh, we all in here could probably say a book or a movie that we like, right? That, that is a good story. You know, I could even say, hey, make it fiction, right? It's a story. What is it about these stories, these, these books, these movies that make them good? What makes a good story? Well, good main character. Good main character. Adventure. Adventure. Suspense. Suspense. A, plot. a plot. Yeah, that's kind of essential. The antagonist. The antagon- a good antagonist, okay. The suspense. The suspense, okay. So what's the, yeah, storyline, story plot, yeah, so plot, suspense, what's like the, what's like the most critical part of a story? Climax. Yeah, like, the, yeah, the climax, right, like the, the part where everything comes together, and like, I don't, uh, never mind, I'm not going to use that example, you guys probably haven't seen that movie, um, no, 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 it's okay, we're not going to talk about it, we'll talk about it later, um, It's, it's, not, it's not a bad movie. It's just an old movie. You guys haven't seen it. Don't worry about it. Okay, so we're moving on. So let me ask you this. 
if we talk about the story of Jesus, his life and his death, right? Outside of the fact that it is a good story, that it's the good news, the gospel, would you say, if I told you the story about this, this uh, deity, this, this being that was fully God, fully man, that was born in a manger, that lived this life, that had 12 disciples, healed people, preached the, the Bible, preached the Old Testament Bible, and then died on a cross and rose from the dead. Would you say that that makes a good story? Is that a good story? Yeah. Do you want like, to yeah. No. No. Okay. You say no. You guys say yes. Yeah. Like, well, I'm thinking about the qualifications you just gave me for a good story. Okay. I think it has a pretty good main character. God. Um, it has good antagonist, right? The people who wanted to kill him, right? But we can sit here and we can debate about whether or not the life of Jesus is a good story or not. But let me ask you this. Now, other than fiction, nonfiction, but what is the main difference between Christ's story and other stories? Like these stories that we read, these movies that we watch, that we like so much, what is the difference between them? Okay. Okay. Is it maybe that that fiction can go a little more outside of like reality? Like does that make sense like you can kind of push the bounds of what can really happen or what would really happen to make a better story? To, to like make better points, to create more suspense. So, I think when we really look down to it, and, and, and we can find some differences between the story of Jesus and these stories that we like so much, but in reality, I don't feel like there's that much difference. Like, if we really come down to it, like, the story of Jesus fits the mold of a lot of these stories that we like so much. Like it pushes reality. Like, I mean, there's not a lot of nonfiction stories about people like healing people and like casting out demons. Like, okay. But we can understand that the story of Jesus is a compelling story. And, and, and I want you guys to understand this. We could come in here and we could talk a lot about like who God is and what God's done and everything. And it's hard to, it's not super hard to, but like it can be hard to believe in a God that there's not, that you feel like there's not a lot of proof of, right? Like you can't see God, you can't touch God. Like, so you have to have like what's, what's called, um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on it right now. Um, proving that God exists. Uh, no, no, no. There's. A, oh my gosh. No, no, no. Yeah, apologetics. Thank you. I, I was blanking on it. I knew it started with an A, and I couldn't get past that. Okay. There's there's a word called apologetics that means proving that God is real. But here's the thing: you don't need apologetics. Like we don't even have to cover that to know that Jesus was real, because. Even people who are historians who don't believe in God, don't believe that God is real, they don't believe that Jesus was the Son of God, 
those people believe based on historical evidence, historical records, archaeology, and proof that Jesus was a person who lived in the time period of the Jesus from the Bible. And he was crucified and died on a cross. So sitting here and talking about Jesus, the story of Jesus is not something that I need to get up here and try to prove to you guys that it's true. Because it's true. Like history shows us, it's a historical fact that there was a man named Jesus who lived in this time period, who traveled around the area, and who was crucified on a cross. Okay? Historical records show that to be true. And so we are equipped with this story like we have this story we, that we are called by the Bible to share with people, to tell people about. So let me ask you this. If I were to say, what does a bowler do? A bowler. Yeah, what does a bowler do? They bowl. Okay, we're, we're making this harder than it needs to be. What does a bowler do? They bowl, okay? What does a golfer do? They golf, okay? What does a wrestler do? Okay, so what does a Christian do? They Christian? Okay, so no, but realistically, think about this. What does a Christian do? Okay. What does a Christian do? What is something that, like, what is the, the verb that they follow? Okay. They what? They share the gospel. Okay, that's where we're getting to. Thank you, for, thank you for filling in that blank for me. Right? When we think about what it means to be a Christian, a lot of times we don't think of it being an action. Right? We think of being a Christian as just like, oh, I'm a Christian. And that means that one day I'm going to go to heaven. And that just is about me. That's part of who I am. We don't think of Christian as being like an action. You know, like someone doesn't say, oh, I'm a golfer, but I never go golfing. Like that would sound really stupid, right? Like if someone was like, yeah, I'm a golfer, but I've never been golfing before. Like that sounds really dumb. And in the same vein, we have a lot of people who profess to be Christians who have never done what Christians are supposed to do, and that's to share the gospel. And so we have a lot of people who sit around saying, oh, I'm a Christian, and you go, oh, have you ever shared your faith with someone? And they say, no. And it's the same in, 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 in my mind and in my vision, it's the same thing as someone saying, I'm a golfer, but I've never been golfing. Because what Christians are called to do and what Christians are supposed to do is to be a witness for Jesus. To tell people about the gospel. Now, I understand that this is something that most people are uncomfortable with. Like, like I, I understand that. I, I, I'm someone who is very weird. Like, we can all acknowledge that, okay? I'm a very, like, I'm very outgoing. I'm very loud. I'm very whatever you want to call me. Very weird. We can just go with weird. That's fine with me, Okay. And I understand that most people are not like me. 
Most people do not like to be up in front of a group, talking to everyone, having all eyes on them and all attention paid on them. Most people are not like that. And so it's okay for you to be someone who doesn't feel comfortable sharing the gospel. It's okay. But what's not okay is being someone who uses that as an excuse to not share the gospel. There are things in my life that I'm not good at or I'm not comfortable with that God calls me to do and I do them anyway. I think of one just boom right off the top of my head is whenever God called me to move to Arkansas. Like you guys, I think it's well documented. I'm from Oklahoma. I grew up in Oklahoma. I was raised in Oklahoma. I lived in Oklahoma my whole life. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway. And Haley will tell you when I saw the job posting for this church, she was like, hey, would you consider sending in your application to that church or your resume? And I said, no, I'm not moving to Arkansas. I said, we're not moving to Arkansas. Why would we move to Arkansas? And God, in a way that I can only describe as a calling, okay? And, and for a lot of people who don't serve in ministry, they don't understand what that is. But God called me. He said, he said, Brian, I want you to take your family and I want you to go serve at this church in Arkansas. And I was uncomfortable with that. I didn't want to do it. Right? In the same way that some of you guys are probably like, I'm uncomfortable with sharing the gospel. I don't want to share the gospel. I was uncomfortable with that. But I said, God, I'm going to trust that you have a plan in this and that you are going to take care of me and that you are going to provide for it. And we packed up and we moved to Arkansas and we have seen God bless our faithfulness through that. And now that doesn't mean necessarily that everything's going to go perfectly if you try to share the gospel with someone because let me tell you this right now there have been times in serving at this church that I've been like why did I do this you know like and there are going to be times when you share the gospel with someone and they reject it and you're like why did I put myself out there like that it's going to happen but we have to understand that our calling and our responsibility in serving God is to be a witness and share the gospel with people so I'm going to give you guys three points, three keys, three things that we should do or be willing to do about sharing the gospel. So one is be available and willing to share your faith. Now, I want you guys to think about, we all have these in our lives, stories about yourself or about family members that are very easy to recall and easy for you to tell. Like maybe a funny story about something that happened to you that you tell people all the time. Like you're like, oh my gosh, this one time I went fishing and I pulled my line back and I cast it and then nothing went out in front of me and I turned around and I had hooked my grandma. Like whatever, whatever story it is that you tell, I want you to think about stories that are easy for you to re- recall and tell people that when it comes up, And when an opportunity presents itself for you to share a story, it's your go-to story. And then I want you to think about what if, what if the gospel was that story for you? What if that's how you felt about the gospel, that it was right there and every time you saw an opportunity to share that story, you did it. As Christians, that's how we should be. 
We should be people who are readily prepared to share our faith and what we believe. And if the opportunity presents itself, we should feel very comfortable slipping into a position of where we share our faith. We're going to look at the story of a guy named Philip today. And we're going to be in Acts 8. We're going to start in verse 26. It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and he went on his way, and he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an official in charge of the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. Okay? So we look at this. This first step of being willing, available and willing to do what God asked us to do. And we just talked about this, like in the same way that God called me to move to Arkansas, God called Philip to travel south on this road, right? And Philip was obedient to God's direction. God didn't give him a lot of detail. He just said, hey, go south on this road. Most of us would probably be like, "Um, why? That road leads to the desert. It's called the desert road, okay? Why are you sitting me into the middle of the desert? But Philip was obedient to God. And in the same way, we look at the Bible, and what does it tell us to do with the gospel? It says, go and proclaim the gospel to all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And realistically, that's about all the direction it gives us on how to witness to people. The Bible doesn't provide a lot of detail on how to share your faith. Now, it gives a lot of examples, and we see a lot of stories of people doing it, but it doesn't give instructions on how to do that. And so we have to be like Philip, and we have to understand that we have to be willing to do what God asks us to do, even if we don't have all the details. We can't go, well, God, you know, I don't know why you want me to go on that road, so until you tell me why I'm going on this road, I'm not going to go on this road. Or we can't say, God, I don't know why I feel that I need to tell this person about... Jesus, or why I need to invite this person to church. So until you provide me all the details of why I need to do that, I'm not going to do it. You know, like we said, I think, I think uh, being a witness is someone who has personal knowledge of something or something that serves as evidence or proof. And I think that Philip demonstrated this definition because he knew that he was trusted. He knew who God was. He had a faith in him and he knew that he was willing to serve him no matter what it meant. If your life, if you live your life willing to serve God, he will use you for his good to share and proclaim his gospel. So let me ask you this. We're going to go back into a time of interaction real quick. What keeps students, you guys are being students, what keeps students from being a witness for Christ? Peer pressure. Peer pressure? That's a big one. What presents you what prevents you from being a witness for Christ? Reputation. What? Reputation. Reputation? Okay. That kind of goes under peer pressure, too. Um, you don't know, like, all about it? Yeah. This, like, I'm not knowledgeable enough to tell someone about it. That's scared? Yeah? I mean, you're scared of what, exactly? You could be scared of a lot of things. Like losing your 
Okay, so I mean that goes under reputation, peer pressure. Yeah. Being judged. Being judged. Okay. We have to understand that, like I said, we don't know what's going to happen. When I picked my family up and moved to Arkansas, I didn't know how it was going to turn out. It could have been a disaster, right? I could have been hours away from any family. I could have hated it here and just been miserable the whole time. But we have to trust that even in, even in our fear and our inability to understand exactly what's going to happen, that God is going to take care of us. So first, we have to be able and willing. Second, we have to share with anyone, anywhere. So picking up with Philip and our Ethiopian... It says the Ethiopian had gone up from Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in a chariot reading a book, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. And the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stand near it. So the Holy Spirit tells Philip to go stand next to this guy. Like Philip does not know this guy. Like he just walks like he's like, okay, um, God wants me to come stand by you. Like, that's a great way to start a conversation, right? Or think about this. If you went into the mall and there was like a stranger and you just like walked up, like you were like, oh, I feel like God's telling me to go talk to this stranger. And you just walked up and stood next to them. Like how awkward that would be. They'd be like, like, this is what he does here, right? And, And so I could imagine Philip was like, you want me to just go like stand next to this guy in his chariot? Think of the situations. Think of situations where you would have an opportunity to share if you were willing to put yourself in an uncomfortable situation like that. Now, I'm not saying go to the mall and stand really close to people you don't know. And then when they go, what are you doing? Go, Jesus loves you. Like, that's not what I'm saying. Okay, that, that's not a good strategy. But I think about... This idea of being comfortable slipping into sharing the gospel like a story, like one of our, one of our go-to stories. And sometimes that takes practice, right? And it also can help with this idea of not knowing everything about it, right? So you can say, hey, pretend like you're asking me questions about it. And then I can go, you know what? I'm not exactly sure about that. Let me look at it. Like, so I worked in sales. Some of you guys don't know this maybe about me, but after I graduated from college, I worked in sales for a little bit. One of the things we had to do was we had like a, we had like a script. And when people would call the store that I worked at, I had to literally follow the script and they would, they would have missed, they would have like uh, mystery shoppers call the store and they would grade us on how well we followed the script. And so what I had to do, one of the things I had to do for this job was I had to take the script home and I had to practice it, right? So that when someone called, I was able to recite this script. So I want you to think about what it means to be, to be so prepared to share your faith that you could walk up to someone 
and share it with that kind of with that kind of uh, fluency. I know I've got one more point. I know we're done. Hang on. So our last point, our last thing, our last step is to actually do it. Like, so these first two points are all about being willing, right? Being willing and understanding how to. And the third one is actually doing it. Like we could sit in here and we could talk all day, all night about, hey, you guys need to be willing to share your faith. You need to know how to share your faith. We could even sit in here and we could practice all night long sharing the gospel with one another and getting really good at it. But if we're unwilling to actually pull the trigger and do it, none of that stuff matters. So the third point is the most important, is that we have to actually be willing to tell people about Jesus. So let's look back at Philip, and we'll finish up this story, starting in verse 30. It says, Then Philip ran up to the chariot, heard the man reading the book of Isaiah the prophet, and he said, Do you understand what you are reading? How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come and sit with him. The Ethiopian was reading this passage from Scripture. He was led like a sleep, sheep to the slaughter, and the lamb before the shear is silent. He did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants from his life was taken from this earth? The Ethiopian asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? And then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the Ethiopian said, Look, here is some water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot, and both Philip and the Ethiopian went down to the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the Ethiopian did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Now, this is kind of an interesting story, right? Like, that Philip was told to travel down this road... And he gets to this road, and he's told to walk up to this guy, and, he, and this guy is already reading the Bible, and he goes, hey, do you understand what you're reading? And he goes, no, I don't. And so he gets a chance to tell him. Like, it would have been very easy for Philip to just be there and be like, hey, man, how's it going? How are you traveling? Like, hey, that's a good book. I like the Bible, too. You know, I'm a Christian and whatnot, and blah, blah, blah. But Philip was actually willing to tell him about who Jesus was. He had the boldness and the courage to tell the Ethiopian about Jesus. So what's the difference about but what's the difference between sharing your faith and telling others about Jesus? One last question. What's the difference between sharing your faith and telling others about Jesus? Yeah. So, so do you think that was that was perfect? So, do you think that do you think that one of those works better than the other in sharing the gospel? Yeah. Which one? Uh, sure. Telling how telling what happened to you. Mm-hmm. Because 
being a personal witness. Okay. So let me ask you then this, because I would agree with you. And that's why the Bible talks about the power of a testimony and why your testimony, your, your personal story is so impactful. But let me ask you this. If, your, if people's personal stories of experiencing salvation through Jesus is better than someone just knowing the story of Jesus, isn't it a lot better for people to hear the gospel from another human than it is for them just to read it out of the Bible? And I think a lot of times we just say, hey, you know what? God gave them a Bible or I'll pass out a Bible. Here's a New Testament. I'll pass out Bibles to everyone I know and then they can read for themselves. And, and I'm not saying that these things are bad, but there's tons of programs that, that work to get Bibles in people's hands or they put Bibles in hotel rooms and they put Bibles everywhere hoping that people will discover the gospel on their own. But it is so much more important and it's so much more impactful if Christians do what Christians are supposed to do and they go out and they share these words themselves personally and share their testimony. So you guys, we, we talked about it last week. We talked about the gospel and how it transformed life and everyone in here for the most part raised their hand saying, you know, I, I know what the gospel is and the gospel is something that has changed my life. I am a saved born again believer. I, I have faith in Jesus. And if that's true, then each and every one of you in here should be going out, proclaiming the gospel and sharing your faith, sharing what Jesus has done in your life with other people. And I understand that sounds scary and I understand that sounds like challenging and there's like, hey, I've got my reputation to worry about. I've got, man, realistically, none of that stuff matters. And you want to talk about like, well, I I don't feel like I know enough about the Bible or enough about Jesus to tell people about who he is. <clears throat> that'd be like someone being called into the court as a judge and, or as a witness and being like, oh, well, I saw the wreck, but I don't know enough about how cars work to be a good witness. You don't have to know everything. All you have to know is what Jesus has done in your life. And by telling that, you can help someone else in the courtroom case, the judge, make a decision about what to do. I'm going to cut it off there. I've got a little bit more, but I know we're running late. But I just want you guys to understand the importance of your role as a Christian in sharing your faith with others your age. Guys, we, we live in a world, and, and every day, the, each generation gets further and further away from God. More and more students are not following Christianity than ever before. And you guys have a perfect opportunity with your friends and in your schools to share your faith. Man, maybe that starts with saying, hey, come to church. We play stupid games with Play-Doh and blindfolds. It's, it's great. We, you can get beat at Mario Kart by the youth pastor before church. It'll be awesome. Um, I think that last game might be you. Anyway. <laughs> beside the point. Maybe it's just inviting a friend to church, and then while you're here, you get a chance to say, hey, you know, This means something to me because Jesus has done this in my life. It's important for us to to be willing to proclaim the gospel in the way that God has called us to as Christians. 
So let me pray for you guys, and then we'll dismiss out of here. You guys feel free to hang out for a little bit, play ping pong. What was that? Okay, Ashley has something she wants you to fill out, so go see her afterwards. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you so much for these students that are here. I thank you so much for the good news of the gospel of Jesus and what it means to each and every one of us and how it has transformed each and every one of our lives in here, God. And I just I pray that you would just help these students to have a boldness and a willingness to share what they believe, share what Jesus has done in their life with others around them, with their, with their friends and in their schools, God. And I know it's hard. I know it's uncomfortable. I know sometimes it can be awkward, but I pray that you would just give them a peace about it and a boldness to do that. God, I pray that you would just help them to invite their friends to come to church, to come hang out and just have a good time and just get to be together as just people. God, I pray that you would just help us to continue to teach and preach your word in here, God. God, I pray for a blessing on these students as they go back out into their schools and into their homes, that you would help them to be a light in this world of darkness and that you would bless them as they do so. God, we love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.